You are listening to the latest edition of the Sports Pan Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along this Tuesday afternoon. Tell you what, another big show to get to today. I've got a few guests who are going to join me in the ESPN-UP phone line. We'll get to them in a moment. Should the Lions, or really any team, be optimistic about Tua Tungavailoa? Can we really trust a guy who couldn't stay healthy in college to be able to stay healthy in the NFL. I've got an expert who's going to join me in the ESPN-UP phone line here in about 10, 15 minutes. He's going to tell us exactly why or why not teams should be high on Tua despite the history of injury. Plus, we've got Northern Michigan Audio, Northern Michigan Tuesdays right here in ESPN-UP. That's coming up in the back half of our show. But I want to start today by talking a little hockey. And for that, we turn it over to the ESPN-UP phone line where I'm joined by Officer Jim Finkbeiner of the Marquette City Police Department. He's here to promote the annual Pigs and Heat hockey game. That is tomorrow night here in Marquette. Lakeview Arena, 645 puck drop as the area law enforcement hockey team goes up against the Marquette County Fire Department, again, in a charity hockey game. Jim, glad to have you on. First and foremost, tell me about this event and give us a brief synopsis. Well, Pigs and Heat is the fire relief fund for Marquette County. Um, this will be the 37th, um, long time, 37th annual Pigs and Heat charity hockey game. And what it is is it's to benefit the fire relief fund, uh, like I said, for Marquette County. And uh, a number of years back, um, several police officers and a couple of firefighters had gotten together and had recognized after fires just how much need there is for um, families when, when a fire happens that, you know, a lot of times, even if you if you have insurance, it takes a little while for things to kick in, and a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, don't have insurance uh, with a fire when a fire happens, and so they were kind of left out in the cold and and didn't have anywhere to go, and and so these officers and and uh, firefighters got together and decided they were going to put this charity hockey game together and and try to raise funds so that um, when a fire does occur and and you need a place to stay and you know just a few dollars just to get yourselves back on your feet, you know that we could help out doing that, and so. You know, really, that's that's where it all kind of came from, just out of that that need. Um, some people deciding that you know we really need to help these people out when uh, when a fire happens. Has it always been called Pigs in Heat? Now that's a great name, by the way. Or to your knowledge, how did that name come about? No, as far as I know, that's always been the name. Um, there's, you know, if you if you look up Pigs in Heat, there's a number of these type of games that go on. Um, uh, the Keweenaw, um, they have a game up there. Um, and uh, several places downstate also, and they're, and they're called various names, but uh, Pigs and Heat has been the uh, the original name um, brought to it, you know, uh, for here for Market County. First game was actually played um, at the PEIF when they had uh, Ice Sheet uh, there at the PEIF on Northern's campus. That was where the first game, and then ever since after that first game, the, uh, the attendance and, and uh, interest in it was so high that they moved it to Lakeview Arena, um, and we've been there ever since. Jim, maybe it's me growing up in Iowa. You know, the hockey appetite there is not nearly what it is up here. But should it be impressive to me that so many members of the fire department, the police department can skate? Or how did it come to be that a hockey game is what you decided on? Well, I think, the you know, the first games, um, you know, wasn't even about so much who could skate or anything else. And, uh, and it was just about, you know, getting together, you know, for charity and, and have a little bit of fun. But, of course, when you're talking about firefighters and policemen, there's just a little bit of rivalry all the time. And it's good-natured for the most part, of course, but, but we like to give each other a hard time and, and, and that type of thing. But uh, So it, it just kind of felt natural that, that they would come together um, in this type of a charity game. Um, but, you know, over the years as it's evolved, of course, that rivalry, you know, continues. And, and one team, well, the firefighters for several years, I think uh, probably 10 years, 
um, in a row won the game. And, and the, you know, the Pigs, we just, we just couldn't put together a, a team enough, good enough to, to beat them. And then it kind of swung the other way, and we won a bunch of games. And now it's kind of been, you know, every couple of years, a team wins a couple, then another team wins a couple. And it, and it really has been um, become a little bit more competitive. There's a lot of really good skaters on both sides of, of the teams. Pigs and the Heat both have some tremendous skaters. Um, it's pretty good hockey. There's, there's, but yet there's guys, you know, that are, are tremendous, you know, skaters and, and have played hockey all their life, all the way down to guys that, that can, you know, they can lace the skates up, but they, uh, they haven't played a whole lot of hockey. I'll just be nice and say it that way. So um, there's a real variety uh, of players out there, and it's a fun game. Um, family type atmosphere too. Jim, I'm going to ask you for some names. Which of our public servants should we be watching out for? Who's the ringer? Who's going to be lighting the lamp? Well, you know, for for uh, for the pigs, you know, I know uh, the guys that I I typically set up, and um, there's there's a couple of really good players. Um, one um, couple from the Market Branch Prison, um, from our our uh, department, Market City Police Department, and the county sheriff's has a couple of really good players. You know, it's hard to say names, uh, only because uh, I'm not sure <laughs> who's the best, but I know there's some really good players on our team. Um, and for a number of years, um, the Heat have had some, you know, some really good players. I know um, a couple of players, the, the goalies um, on both sides, um, have been were tremendous hockey players in high school and have continued to play, you know, the senior leagues and other other things to keep them busy. Um, just a couple of the players that have been in it. I'll give you a couple of names of players that have been in it for a, a really long time. For the Pigs, uh, Brian Steed will be his 25th year playing hockey um, for the Pigs. Um, and for the, the Fire, uh, Brian Phillips has been playing also for 25 years. So you can see that you know, there's guys that'll be some first-year players this year um, that can uh, that can really lace them up, um, all the way up to guys that have been playing, like I said, as long as 25 years. So, um, a lot of a lot of players from a lot of departments. Uh, fire department has uh, 10 departments that are represented, and the police we have six different departments that are represented with hockey players. So, you know, as far as the community, there's there's got to be somebody that you know. Um, if you come to the game to watch, there's going to probably be more than one person that you know out there on the ice. So, Jim, tell us about some of the opportunities that fans would have to donate to charity to make a difference. Well, the biggest thing is that from the first game uh, that was ever organized to tonight, uh, tomorrow night's game, um, the ticket prices have never changed. They've always been a dollar. And that dollar ticket gets you not only admission to the game, but it also gets you registered for um, many, many prizes, including grand prizes. Um, you know, this year donated. Um, once again, you know, the, some of the sponsors that come through for us every single year, um, and, uh, and of late, Eagle Mine, Lending Mining, uh, has presented the grand prize award uh, for the number of years now, and it's $1,000. Um, Honor Credit Union stepped up this year and donated the second prize of $500, and then Forsyth, Township Fire Department themselves stepped up and gave a donation for $250 for the third prize. So those are the grand prizes. But typically from year to year, the business communities, um, you know, all over Market County have donated a number of prizes. And, and typically we have up, upwards of around 100 other prizes that a $1 ticket gets you registered for. So, you know, that's it's it's a really great charity, um, you know, and it's very inexpensive. A dollar gets you into the game and register for these prizes. You know, and most people buy more than one ticket, of course, at a dollar. But that's one of the biggest, this is our biggest fundraiser. We have uh, other things that go on during the year. There's people that do um, 
just small, you know, fundraisers and stuff for us, which is which is great because everything matters. But this game is is a big emphasis for us because it is the the biggest fundraiser for this fund. Um, typically, from year to year, um, you know, I don't know if everybody realizes just how much of a need there is, but we typically um, give out in terms of fire relief anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year paid out to families, um, and that's for hotel costs. And also for, like I said, we give money, monetary money to the families just to try to help them get them on their feet. A lot of times people are left out of these fires. They don't have a toothbrush. They don't have, you know, a change of clothing. Um, so that money just helps them, you know, kind of get back on their feet. And like I said, when we're, we're donating any or we're giving out anywhere from ten to $15,000 a year, you can see just what kind of need the Market County has. In two fires alone this year, the one that was at um, Pine Ridge Apartments this year, and then there was a, a terrible fire out in Forsyth Township. Um, uh, those fires alone, uh, we gave out over $3,500 at each of those fires to those victims trying to help them out. So right there, that's $7,000 um, that we donated to give to these families to try to get them back on their feet. So you just never know when it's going to happen. Um, you never know when it's going to be needed. So this charity hockey game is a huge fundraiser for us. We just really encourage people to get out, buy tickets, um, and, and help out the, uh, everybody in Market County. And where do you go about buying tickets, Jim? Is it at the door? Can you get it anywhere in advance? Well, you can still buy tickets uh, at the Market City Police Department and any fire department. Um, just ask if you know a firefighter. Ask them if they don't have tickets on hand. They'll tell you where they can get them for you. Um, and, of course, you can always get them at the door. Um, the game is scheduled for 645 at Lakeview Arena tomorrow, Wednesday. And, um, like I said, of course, there's always tickets at the door. Uh, you're always welcome to come in. Have you seen pretty good public turnout support from the community the last few years? Yes. Uh, it, it's amazing every single year that we've run this, um, just how many people come out to support, you know, the, the charity hockey game. You know, Lakeview Arena, uh, we went to Lakeview Arena because of the, the size that we have and the space that we have there. We'll, we'll uh, have anywhere from... 2,000 to 3,000 people typically at this game. Um, you know, and it's at, it's at an early enough time in the evening, and it's usually done by around 9 o'clock, so it's not super late. So for families, kids, you know, we love to see we love to see kids at the game. There's a lot of giveaways. Um, the players love to interact with the kids uh, and stuff, too, at the, at the, at the game. So, um, yeah, it, the attendance has been tremendous, and, and the support the community gives this game every year just uh, astounds us. Well, Jim, unfortunately, for the first time in about 15 years, you won't be playing in the game. You have a good reason, though. You're going to be coaching in the District Boys Basketball Tournament tomorrow night. That being said, give me your pick for tomorrow. Well, my pick for the game um, is my team, the Pigs. Um, we're going we're gonna to take it to the, to the heat once again this year. Um, and despite me not being in there, they're probably going to be in better shape without me skating this year than if I was there. <laughs> Jim Finkbeiner of the Marquette City Police Department joins us on the ESPN-UP phone line. Pigs and Heat coming up tomorrow night, 645 at Lakeview Arena here in Marquette. Great stuff, Jim. Always good talking to you. Looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. All right. Thanks, Tanner. We really appreciate your help. All right. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, should teams be high or at least optimistic on Tua Tungavailoa? I've got an expert who's going to tell us why or why not next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. 
Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. One of the biggest questions on the mind of Lions fans and a decision that will need to be made here in about a month, what do you do with the number three overall pick? Do you trade out, or who do you take if you decide to stick there? Tua Tungavailoa is a popular answer, and to give us a little insight on whether that would be a good selection for the Lions or not, we're joined on the ESPN-UP phone line by Dr. Rand McLean. Doctor, first of all, thank you for being on with us. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but you are an expert in regenerative sports surgeries. Is that correct? Uh, regenerative and sports medicine, yes, sir. Well, Doctor, obviously Tua has dealt with injuries, pretty severe ones, throughout his college career at Alabama. Now you've got an extremely talented young man with a shot at going pro. Will teams take a chance on him? Should they take a chance on him is their biggest question. If you could, give us a brief synopsis, a brief summary of what Tua has been dealing with and what the surgery that he had will entail. Well, I think especially with the preface of what do you do with the draft, I mean, what are his prospects, you have to look at it first with the idea that these injuries are, I mean, especially the one with the hip, are really one in a million. So it's not, in other words, because he's injury-prone necessarily or he's got bad genes or anything like that. He just had some bad luck. And I know you go into, well, you make your own luck. Well, I think he's made some pretty good luck for himself. I think we all would agree. But this one is truly just bad luck. So um, the injuries he's, he's undergone are, you know, he recovered from the high ankle sprain. And I think he's going to recover very well from this one, too. So far, so good. Well, Doctor, I'm under the impression that if a guy can't stay healthy in college, how's he going to stay healthy in the NFL? And for me, that's why I'm skeptical of Tua, and that's that's what makes me worried about taking him at number three overall. What would you say to somebody like me? Well, like I just said, I think a lot of this is, is truly bad luck, not because of bad preparation, especially with the hip. And, um, you know, there's some art to this. The guy's got a great work ethic. He uh, made it through the Alabama Alabama program, did very well, obviously, except for the injuries. He's done very well, and, and in some ways, given that he had a bad luck injury, was very lucky, mainly because they reduced it, meaning they, they brought the, the hit back into the socket uh, very quickly, within 10 minutes, I believe, uh, maybe even six minutes. Anyway, the idea being that the recovery chances are much, much greater. And, um, uh, you know, if I'm... Uh, well, I'm definitely optimistic, but if I'm making a draft pick, I'd I, I double down on him. Doctor, now that he's had this injury, what are the chances that he could re-injure it? Are they greater now that he's had the injury once? It's, you cannot say that he doesn't have a greater risk, but I think there are arguments to be made that because he's had the injury, he'll be less likely to injure it because he'll train much harder to protect it and so a redislocation technically is, is more possible for sure, but I think more realistic would be uh, worrying about uh, uh, arthritic problems rearing their head down the road. Now, again, because of the reduction that occurred much more quickly than, than, than usual, that's less likely. So, you know, without a crystal ball, obviously, we're all in this, in this predicament, but I'd say the, the uh, optimism should be there. What challenges would Tua face as he goes pro and tries to have a life for himself even after football? I think this guy's biggest challenge is going to be taking his time to recover and make sure it's all done properly, meaning not too soon. These injuries take 6 to 12 months before they're fully recovered, 
and I know there's a lot of money on the table. There's a lot of anticipation about him coming back and what he can do and what he can contribute. So I think that'll be the, the biggest problem. But again, based upon the imaging that shows he's made a full recovery, meaning um, you know there's no evidence of, of anything but the best chance of uh, getting back to 100%, uh, I don't see... Now, again, I mentioned uh, arthritis. That's a big one. There are some things that can occur that I can tell you about, such as everyone asked about avascular necrosis, the same thing that Bo Jackson had. But that's when you have significant damage to the the arteries that come off of the femoral artery to supply blood to the area. There's no evidence of that for him. So it, it, it all looks very bright. Doctor, I know you're not advising to, uh, you're not the doctor taking care of him, but if you could, from what we do know, how would you evaluate the way that Tua's gone about his recovery process, whether it's the combine drills he did or didn't do, how he says the media going to Alabama's pro day, how would you assess how Tua's handled the recovery? I do. I think that's part of my bullishness on him. There's, you know, there's the sciences, medicine, and then there's the art of it, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like I say, he made it through the program at Alabama. They train their guys pretty well, as we know. They have a quite a, quite a program, and a lot of their guys are doing well in the pros. I think he's handling it great. And, and again, as long as he continues to do that over the six to twelve months recovery, uh, you know, gradually seeing how he's doing and not pushing it too far, I think he's going to do great. Well, Doctor, I know this is kind of a broad question, but whenever someone gets out to the NFL field for the first time, then, you know, there are struggles, what have you. How much of that could we attribute to Tua being young and inexperienced, and how much of it could we attribute to this lingering injury? Well, again, I'm pretty bullish on the injury recovery in and of itself, and on him. Of course, the psychological factors come into play depending on what team picks him up. Does he feel like he's going to have to compete? Uh, closely with another QB, uh, you know, what are the coaches, what kind of picture are the coaches going to paint, putting pressure on him. I mean, anyone can cave under pressure, but again, and yeah, you're right, it is a broad question that we could go on and on about, but uh, so far my impression, for whatever it's worth, really more as a human being watching this kid under duress, he seems to be handling it very well. Well, Doctor, unfortunately, the hip injury, not the only major injury Tua suffered while in college. He also had those two tightrope ankle surgeries, what have you. Does one of those injuries concern you more than the other, whether it be his ankles or his hips, not just as far as impacting his performance on the field, but his health when it comes to life after football? No, and again, I would put the hip surgery or the hip accident in general in a, in a very separate category. It's a traumatic injury that's very rare to occur. The high ankle sprain is completely the opposite almost. I mean, it's still a traumatic injury, but it does obviously happen very frequently in sports where you're everting the, fir- the foot like that and making sharp turns. Uh, but the repair is fairly straightforward to the ligaments, and he looks like he came back very well from, from the high ankle sprain uh, prior to this injury. So no reason to doubt him going forward with that. Do you have an experience with the tightrope ankle surgery that Tua went through? Uh, when you say experience with with athletes having this injury, yeah, of course. Like I say, it's a fairly com- well. I shouldn't say it's it's fairly common. Uh, it, it's you know whether it's a what we call an old fashioned low ankle sprain uh, or a high one uh, is really inconsequential. Um, they, they're they're long to recover, oftentimes because 
as you may, may recall, uh, you know, the kid that broke his arm was in better stead oftentimes than the one that sprained a ligament because you'd be back up in action uh, in six weeks when you broke something, but it could be six months or more when you strained a ligament. Um, so these injuries can linger because of the nature. There's a, there's a lack of blood flow that, that, that uh, occurs with ligaments and that can hinder the recovery. But, again, he looks like he's made a, a full recovery. I don't see any uh, any problems with his recovery, and you know, it's certainly that we can pick up on film. Well, Doctor, we've got a lot of Lions listeners up here, and I know that Tua is a popular choice for using that third overall draft pick. And just to reiterate, you believe that there shouldn't be a risk to a lot of teams, or especially one who wants Tua to draft him highly. You feel that they can pretty safely double down. There's nothing that has shown up so far to suggest that he's going to have anything to worry about in the immediate future. Uh, again, because of the the way they handled the injury initially uh, and the imaging showing that there's no apparent damage, that damage being a lack of blood flow to the area, uh, long term, uh, he may have some arthritis to deal with, but to pin that actually on the hip injury versus just normal wear and tear in the NFL would be difficult too to separate in other words so yeah I'm 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 bullish on it uh, I don't have access to the imaging I'm going based upon the reports and I'm assuming that whether it's Detroit or any other team they have access to that imaging and can see it for themselves and and there's no reason to doubt that uh, you won't make a full recovery and, and be one of the best players out there Doctor, in your estimation, at what point would you start to expect arthritic symptoms to appear? Well, that's a tough question because, again, what part of that would be normal wear and tear in the NFL versus as a result of this uh, injury to the hip? I guess you could compare it to the opposite, you know, the left hip and see if uh, the same thing occurs. But really, that would be hard to tease out just because a lot of it's the natural wear and tear. But um, if it were due to this injury, it would show up in the next couple of years because uh, that would be obviously abnormal than the, the normal wear and tear that occurs in the NFL. NFL, And, and that would uh, really, again, probably have shown up by now on the imaging due to the, the vascular damage. It would be apparent. So, Doctor, then I think you start taking into account what is the team's need. Do they need to immediately? Because then the question is, uh, how quickly can you get him on the field in full participation? In your mind, how close is he? Would he be able to start week one? I don't I, – I, no. I don't think he's ready for for 100%. I think he'd be uh, remiss in jumping in too quickly, as I mentioned earlier, Six months is an early recovery. Twelve months, again, a longer one. Um, I can't predict what we'll see coming up here. It'll be up to him, his coaches, his trainers. I know I'm not telling you anything new, but I can't really tell you. Everyone's different in how they can recover based upon their genetics, how well they train, how how well they rest. But, no, I don't think he's going to be ready to go full tilt this season. Well, Doctor, what's the next step now for two as he goes through the recovery process leading up to the draft and then afterwards as we get into the summer and training camp? Uh, I guess the most important thing I would be doing right now is to try and stabilize the hip, and that would involve strengthening the muscles around the hip. Unfortunately, it's not quite that simple 
because, as you know, the old saying, you know, the knee bone connected to the hip bone, et cetera, uh, you've got to balance the entire body. But, of course, there would be a lot of emphasis on really strengthening the area around the hip so that you don't have any abnormal wear and tear on the area. And, of course, you want to avoid the chance of another dislocation. In your estimation, is there a timetable for when we could expect to a back to full participation on field? Well, six months would be uh, early, you know, from from the injury. As I said, and then twelve months would be uh, to pass. Twelve months would be. I don't want to ever say unreasonable because I don't know what might happen, but unlikely. I think within that time frame, uh, we'll see him up and about and throwing the ball and, and looking good. Dr. Rand McLean joins us on the ESPN-UP phone line. He's an expert in sports regenerative medicine and surgery. Doctor, that was great stuff. I appreciate you taking time out and hopping on air with us. Well, it's my pleasure. Anytime. Let's take a time out. Northern Michigan Tuesdays after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along as always. Northern Michigan Tuesdays and really our last edition of it as we know it here during this school year. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, your Sports Center update. Cleveland Browns center J.C. Treader has been elected president of the NFL Players Association. The Ivy League has announced that it will cancel its men's basketball conference tournament this week due to the threat of coronavirus. As a result, Yale, the regular season champion, will earn the conference his automatic birth to the NCAA tournament. And finally, the metabolism of a llama is almost identical to that of a human living with diabetes. Because of that, the College of Veterinary Medicine at Ohio State University has been studying llama blood sugar patterns in the hopes of developing treatment for diabetes. How about that? Llamas are cool, aren't they? Especially when they can help uh, figure things out like diabetes, what have you. That is your Sports Center update. Glad you're along as always. Once again, this is the last episode of Northern Michigan Tuesdays, our last edition segment of it, whatever you want to say, as we know it, until the coming school year, until the fall. Because after this, well, we're not going to have basketball and hockey and the usuals that like to grace our airwaves every Tuesday. Uh, we'll have Northern Michigan Tuesdays from time to time with other sports, but certainly not as consistently as we have had with football, basketball, and hockey. That being said, with all three of their seasons coming to an end this week, let's get you recapped on their years. And we'll start with hockey. Grant Petoni and his squad saw their year come to a close Saturday night, a 4-3 loss in triple overtime to arch-rival Northern Michigan to eliminate the Cats from the conference tournament. Tournament. So now, Coach reflected on this season and mainly Saturday night as a whole. I felt the way I felt one other time um, in my career as a coach. Um, it was after losing the national championship. Um, but I felt that same way that night. Three days later, um, I've never been more determined or focused on anything as I am right now. Um, I had one of my mentors, um, Coach Conley. You know, he said sometimes it, it takes a frustrating loss to get you in the right place. Um, and I, I am evaluating everything, everybody, everything, um, every situation, how I handled it. Um, I'm going to get inside and out of this program because um, it. 
it doesn't sit well with me right now. Coach was asked, what was the most frustrating part of the season? I know penalties, injuries were all issues. What was most frustrating to you as a coach? Yeah, penalties during the course of the year, yes. And it was a couple of the same culprits. Um, more for me was, in like if you look at the season, you know, going into the year, you have to replace four senior D, your first line, the goalie of the year, the player of the year. You have all kinds of unknowns. Um, did I have any idea where we were going to finish? No. Um, I thought we would be able to get a home ice spot. Um, just, And then the way we finished is what bothers me the most. Um, injuries were for sure you know like we didn't have an extra healthy player so when you don't have anybody else you can play your ability to control ice time which is the only currency you have is gone so that played a factor in it um but the the finish of the year is what i remember and that's what sits with me right now Coach gave us his thoughts as to whether there was anybody who took a major step forward as a hockey player this season. I thought, obviously, you know, when you have the conference leading scorer, um, you know, somebody who you expected would be a better player, you know, I, I'd i be lying if I said I thought he'd have 23. I thought he could get 15. Um, I thought, um, I, I, and actually, Vinny scored about what I thought he would. Um, I thought they'd be a little more consistent, but um, when the year started, how he looked, I thought he'd be there. I thought Ben Newhouse was fantastic. Um, At times, for a lot of times, he was a guy who played the most minutes for us, played in every situation, um, and was one of our best players. You always want to believe that. Um, You want to believe what you see in practice. But um, when he's never played for you, it's hard to know, um, you know. And um, like just like Vanderbeck, you you want to believe it, um, but until he played a game, you just don't know. Um, I thought both of those guys um, had very good years. AJ's was obviously a his year was eight games. Um, that that injury hurt us. I thought. Uh, the freshman D, I thought all got much better throughout the course of the year. Um, they're going to be big pieces going forward. Um, Andre had a good freshman year. You know, you um, if you look at, you know, the last time, you know, we had an 11-goal scorer as a freshman was a while ago. You know, and to put it in perspective, Griff had six last year. Um, do I think Andre is going to score 23? I don't know. I, I mean, I hope he can get to 15, just like I hope Griff could. Anything over that is, um, you know, is great. So that, that, there was players um, that had good years. Um, I don't think we had anybody that had a great year. And I thought to a certain point, uh, Griff was playing like the best player in the conference. Um, and... He was very injury-riddled the back half of the year. He was wearing a walking boot, <clears throat> um, barely practicing. So 
you know, that obviously affected him down the stretch. Um, but we got a lot coming back. Now we have three great seniors that put on the Wildcat uniform for the last time. Coach reflected on them and what they've done for the program. You know what? Like three, three years with those guys, right? They were here um, from the beginning with me. I thought Luke had the best year he's ever had um, as a hockey player. You know, and I've known Luke since he's been 14. Um, just, you know, it, it, eight goals. He could found his way in the power play. He started playing four on four. Um, gave you an honest, hard effort every night. Um, that, that to me, I feel good about. You know, and, and I, I talked to Luke a little bit during the course of the year. And, you know, at, at times, you know, he'd mentioned that this is it. You know, he's not going to play after this. He's, um, he's just going to move on with life. And, um, I'm glad if that if that's what it is. I'm glad the way he went out. You know, he he got a chance to, you know, score, you know, the last weekend of the year. You know, and and then get an assist this year in the playoffs and um, go out the way he did. Proud of Darian. Um, proud of how Darian came, kind of full circle with me. You know, and there's there was a lot of conversations with us, um, and then there was a point that. Um, he got put in the doghouse, and and he had to find his way out of there, and um, and he did, you know, and um, you know, and that and that goes back to the comment about the currency of playing time. Um, when when Darian was in a spot that, you know, he was not on the power play, he was um, not playing four on four, he was not playing end of the game minutes, um, and he, he he worked his way out of it. And, you know, there's other guys that I felt, you know, probably deserved to be in the same spot that maybe Darian was in, but they couldn't go there because we didn't have any bodies. Um, but back to Darian, he's, he's a clutch player. Um, I was talking to a, 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 a pro guy yesterday about him, and, um, you know, I just, I, when Darian is focused on being the best version of Darian, he is a heck of a player, and and we saw that down the stretch. And um, he made some sacrifices in his personal life, and um, you know did the things that are required to be a great player. And and he had a great finish to the year. Um, you know, I, I think Phil. You know, if you look back on, you know, generations of Wildcat defensemen, um, you know, he's going to be in the conversation you know there's over 100 points um all-american player of the year we went a lot to the program um and and the best part about the story was he was a walk-on he walked on here um just looking for an opportunity and and an amazing find by walt and um turned himself into an all-american you know and those are those are very very few and far between stories so um Really proud of all three of them. So you heard Coach mention that Luke Volton is not looking to play professionally or at least after college. What about Phil or Darian? Yep, yep. Um, I would be surprised if they're not playing here somewhere, maybe even this weekend. Coach talked about the core coming back for next season, what he expects out of them and what the standard will be. There's no certainties in sports at all. All you can go by is what the history of what your players have done. Coming into this year, we had we returned 54 goals. It's tough. Going into the next year, 
re-return 90, and that number is probably over 100 if AJ plays. So, you know, you're you're looking at 100 goals coming back. Um, lots of teams score 100 goals on the year, and and we're bringing that that back. Uh, all the freshman D will be better. Um, we had lots of guys play important minutes and important roles this year that'll be back. You know, you're, you're only losing three players. Now they're valuable players, no doubt. Um, but that's a big difference from losing 10. So there's there's a lot of good good things going on. Coach offered us his thoughts on the goaltending this year, whether that be Hawthorne, Kent, Roberts, anyone in between. I thought at times this year they proved that they can be good goalies. Um, but in that position... Um, any position, um, we talk, I, like I am facts and stats and math and all those things. There, don't lie. There's no opinion in that. Um, you know, I think the facts are because of the stats that um, you know those guys have to have great summers. Um, they have to come back better than they were this year. Now, in fairness to both of them, you know, John is a freshman. Nolan was effectively a freshman because he he didn't even have to go through the mental rigors of I might play last year even you know maybe you don't play the games but I might play I might play I might play he never had to do that because I Ate was going to play every game um, so he was a freshman you know and if if he qualified for that um, you'd be you know if he was a true freshman you'd probably say pretty good. Um, you know, so hopefully they can build off that. Um, you know, we do have the addition of Connor Rickman. Um, Connor was with us all year, uh, couldn't play. So Connor's going to be, um, he's going to be battling for that spot also next year. Lastly, Coach talked about this offseason, what he has planned for the guys and what it's going to look like this summer. We are not, um, we are not taking time off. Um, there's not... Uh, to, in my opinion, the hockey season is not over. We might be done playing, but it's not over. So there's work that needs to be done. Um, there's areas that I got to make us tougher in, and it, it's we're going to work. And it's not spring break. It's not time off. Um, it is disappointment with uh, how it finished. Um, I mentioned yesterday I'm I'm as focused as I've ever been on getting this thing right because the community support in this town, um, and I shouldn't even say community, the support for our program from the president to the board of trustees to the athletic director to everybody in this community, what what they do to support our program, um, I'm devastated that we're done for them because they have given us um, all of their effort and all of their energy, and they're both feet in with us. So um, we are not going to let them down again. I will not let them down. We will not um, take a break. We will not um, take our foot off the gas. And... I, I understand that we lost all those people. I understand we probably overachieved for what the reality of 15 freshmen and sophomores are. Um, to me, that that 
that doesn't matter. Um, you're this is a this is a, a, an area where you're expected to win, and we didn't do that enough. That falls directly on my shoulders, and I'm going to flip over every rock to fix that. That's Northern Michigan hockey head coach Grant Patolny. His team season comes to an end Saturday night, and they've already flipped the calendar to the new year. Let's take our last time out. We'll have some basketball audio, men's and women's, next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with the Sports Pen Podcast. Check it out by getting our free mobile app from the Apple I Store, Google Play, or check out ESPNUP.com and get the on demand there. Tanner Hoops with you as we wind down this Tuesday afternoon. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Girls Basketball Regional Semifinal Action tonight. I'll be live from Marquette Senior High School, joined by Jared Koski, and we'll have the play by play pregame beginning at 545, tip off set for 6 Eastern here in ESPN. UP online and with our app. It's my hope you join us as Westwood tries to beat Calumet for the second time this year and move on to the Michigan Sweet 16. For now, though, we've got a little college basketball to talk about. Men's and women's basketball audio from Matt Mackerzak and Troy Matson. Both of their seasons came to an end this week in the conference tournament. We'll start on the men's side of things. I had a chance to catch up with Matt Mackerzak. He gave his thoughts on the GLIAC tournament. Good. I mean, I think the Ferris one was really, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun, especially without Miles. I, I didn't think, um, I thought it would be really, really tough without Miles. And uh, for us to get that win was, was awesome. Um, it's, it's a great sign that some of the younger kids played well heading into next year. It was a great opportunity for us to get to that Final Four where you have the banquet and you really feel like you're kind of playing in a conference tournament, not just another game. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I thought we played pretty well against Northwood, all things considered. We knew rebounding would be a little bit of an issue with you know losing your two best rebounders, Troy earlier and then Miles at the end. And um, we still held them in check pretty well. We just couldn't make enough shots. And at the end of the day, um, that's kind of what happened to us in losses. We didn't have a, a, a secondary way to score the ball at a high level besides make threes in that we didn't have great post player great drivers so we kind of were stuck being a little bit one-dimensional this year and when that one dimension didn't go well uh, we struggled to win games coach reflected on this senior class what they've done for the program and how they're leaving it for sure miles ends up being first team all conference which is astounding out of a kid that averaged seven points a game I don't I don't know if I've ever seen that or I ever will again um, but it was really cool that he got that honor and obviously he also finished first in um, all defensive votes so we don't have a defensive player of the year in the league but he was that so um, obviously you're starting with him you're going to miss that a lot I thought Sam um, he was kind of the heart and soul of our team even probably more so than Miles where he his competitiveness and his toughness and um, was kind of the the engine that made everything go and then the second half of the year I thought he was a great basketball player um, the first half in the first three years he's been a great competitor that wins a lot of basketball games but he really grew as a player as a passer as a shooter um, as a point guard and, and I thought that kind of was what what kept us going towards the end of the season and then Marcus I mean all years just been consistent um, with 
with just being solid and uh, his shooting. You know, like any shooter, he's going to have some good games and some bad games. Um, the thing that I always appreciated about him was he always stayed uh, level and helped our team, whether he was making all the shots or not making shots. Um, he showed up night in and night out and competed. So we're going to miss those three a lot. I thought, um, in a way, you know, I think next year's going to be a whole new season, but this year felt like almost. It, it really felt more so their team than maybe any other team I've ever been involved with, where um, in, in a lot of ways their leadership was what kind of kept us afloat and their experience in the conference was you know more than I had had. So in a lot of ways I felt like they, they really led us and um, you know a lot of the credit for us having a better year than people thought really goes to those seniors. Well, this was a team that was picked to finish dead last in the Northern Division. They end up getting into the tournament. You know, and this was a team that knew they didn't have big expectations put on them and could kind of use that as motivation. Coach talked about overcoming those expectations. Yeah, I think it says a lot about um, not just, I mean, I think we had a good year, but I think what it really says a lot about is the job that uh, those three seniors had done and the job that, um, you know, Bill Saul had done previously where um, we didn't maybe have as much talent, but it was clear that the program was in good enough shape that we could overcome maybe not having as much talent as other teams. Because I think now that it's over with, we can pretty realistically say we, we probably were 11th or 12th in talent. And uh, being able to finish you know 9 and 11 and then win a game, and probably had the sixth most wins in the league, fifth most wins in the league, um, that really is more about the program, like you said, than it is necessarily this team. Um, and hopefully that's something we can continue and add some more talent to, keep that those strong program values in place, um, which can lead to even better seasons in the future. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it really comes down to those seniors and, to me, the culture and the program, and, and that, was, that was the main thing that I think kept us, uh, us winning. So then Coach talked about the core and who he has coming back and what optimism he has for the future. I, I think uh, Alex is going to be uh, just that typical senior guard that's going to do everything for us. And then um, Delapo, I think, emerged last 10, 15 games. He was one of the better players um, in the league at the forward spot. And then the the guy right now, I'd probably, I wouldn't trade for any freshman in, in the league and probably very few freshmen in the country is Ben Wolf. Um, big guys take a little longer. They Guards can come in and contribute right away, but big guys, by and large, um, aren't good players as freshmen. And so for him to have as good a freshman year as he did and finish as strong as he did, I think is a really, really exciting sign of things to come for him. And um, just athletically and skill-wise, he has the potential to be an all-conference player and, and high on that all-conference list. So I'm really excited to see kind of what his next couple months of work and development look like because he's got a chance to be special. Well, despite the record not being what Northern wanted it to be, they had some great moments this season, some wins over some ranked teams, beating Michigan Tech. Coach gave us his thought on what his favorite moment this season was. You know, I, I think the the three wins that stick out are, are Grand Valley when they're 11, Ferris when they're 11, and Tech. Um, at Tech, but to me, the moment that for sure will be the one was when we beat Davenport at home. Um, you know, you win those huge road games, and and I'd take those three wins and stack them up against any three wins that any teams had in the country. They might be the three best 
trio of wins that anyone's had in the whole nation. But the win at Davenport was the one that we knew we needed to get us in the conference tournament, which set up the Ferris game. It was senior night. Um, We'd just been coming off the worst moment for me of the year, which was losing to Grand Valley um, in double overtime and and some of that kind of stuff. And it, it told the story of this year's team, which was, Everything's going bad. We we kind of had some doubt creep in. We weren't going to even make the conference tournament after a pretty good middle of the year. And uh, we were going to lose that game by all accounts if you watched the first 36 minutes. And all of a sudden it flipped. And, and it did so with those seniors. So to me, that was kind of the defining moment of our season um, and also probably the best portrayal of kind of what those seniors have meant to our program and, and what their legacy to me will be um, so that, that was definitely my favorite game and then you get senior night afterwards and you get to see you know everyone's family smiling and um, I just thought it was a really cool moment and probably something I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. If you remember last week, we had Matt Mackerzak on on Wednesday, and he talked about how his squad was going to spend the time in the interim after their big win at Ferris State to open up the conference tournament, and Coach said they were going to do a little team bonding and do some bowling. Coach said that he would share the results with us, and we had to track him down and ask him who ended up winning the bowling tournament, the Northern Michigan Men's Basketball Bowling Tournament this week. Uh, ooh, okay, so um, Marcus came out to the lead early, um, which is what I predicted. I was excited about my prediction, and then uh, Miles Howard ends up winning it. Um, he might have not had a good enough knee to play, but evidently had a good enough knee to bowl, and uh, I was I was on Miles' team. The seniors were the captains, and um, so I was happy. I, Miles ended up being... Uh, not only won, but his team won. So also seems pretty fitting that Miles would find a way to win. So it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and it, those are the memories you're you're going to remember. And I think one of the best parts about that Ferris win was it did get us those extra three days on the road to kind of hang out, and um, we fully expected to beat Northwood. But those 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 days of kind of being together, getting a few extra practices in, um, that's definitely was a huge uh, step for our program. And finally, Coach, of course, had to give us his assessment of himself. What was Coach's performance like? Oh, uh, yeah, it was okay. I think my team won, so uh, in that regard, uh, I, I didn't screw it up too bad. So, um, But, no, it was, it was fun. It, I was, it was over 100 every game. So my grandma beat me the last time I bowled, and she's, like, in her uh, late 70s at the time. So not, not that good. That's Matt Mackerzak, Northern Michigan men's basketball head coach. His team saw their season come to an end Saturday in the GLIAC semifinals. How about on the women's side of things? Troy Matson and his squad, their season came to an end in the quarterfinal round against Parkside back on Tuesday. Coach recapped that game for us. I thought they played really well in the fourth quarter. Uh, we, played, we played really hard. Uh, I, I can honestly say we left it all out there. We knew it was going to be, you know, it was a matchup game. Um, their weaknesses were interior defense and our weakness with them was being able to contain their five guards that they got out there on the court Um, so we had to play a zone for the third time this season and it was all against them and uh, they were scoring pretty well but we had a great first half on offense Uh, probably maybe our best half on offense I think we had 38 or 39 points at halftime we got the ball into Jessica and Aaron Uh, they did an incredible job uh, they actually came out in the zone, and Elena Alikes and uh, I think Michaela Kuhn made a few threes to get us started. Uh, so we got off to a great start in the game, and about a couple minutes into the third quarter, we had a seven-point lead. 
and uh, Michaela Kuhn uh, got a reaching foul uh, that she shouldn't have done and got her third foul. And I thought with the seven-point lead, we'd need to take her out for a little bit so she didn't pick up a quick fourth. Uh, Aaron Hunkla did the same, uh, but a play later, uh, picked up her third, and I made the same decision. And whether it was the right decision or not, uh, they made a great run on us at the time. And uh, they just continued to play well throughout the whole time. And uh, they stiffened up their interior defense on Jessica and Aaron, uh, which uh, ultimately affected the game uh, to the point where they got away from us at the end. Well, this was a team that made the NCAA tournament last year, and there were a lot of expectations. Maybe they could get back there, and they just could not stay healthy. And I know that that's no excuse, and every team deals with injury, but this was a real skeleton crew the team was playing with. Coach talked about overcoming that adversity. We fought hard all year. You know, uh, the, the only thing you can do is fight. And uh, I, I thought we gave great, great effort every single night, uh, other than one game. And, uh, I'm not going to mention it right now, but um, we beat the teams that we were supposed to beat, other than one game. And uh, so that says something. We didn't beat anybody we weren't supposed to beat. That also says something, uh, that we weren't uh, able to maybe beat the Michigan Tech or beat Grand Valley, uh, games that we played well in uh, coming down the stretch, but we weren't able to win those games. And uh, so that says a lot about the season also. Well, like Matt and Grant, Coach Troy talked about his senior class and the impact they're going to be leaving on the school. It's going to be a total adjustment for us as a program because also going out with them obviously is Lexi not being able to return. So... We just lost three really, really major players in our program uh, and going to probably have to replace them with freshmen. So uh, we, we got a big adjustment period because we've been able to rely on those three uh, to do a, a lot of the work for us over the years, even though they might not have been the player uh, as Jessica was this year for us. They might not. Uh, Lexi has been the player for us for a couple of years, but um, we were able to... Uh, get away with it last year a little bit more because we had people at Darby Youngstrom and Sidney Dillinger able to hold the fort down. Uh, now we got a whole reconstruction of our team coming up for the future and uh, I, I, like our, I like our young kids um, but uh, you don't win many basketball games with young kids I don't feel uh, at the college level. You need strong juniors and seniors in our program and uh, probably one of the biggest things that will happen in the offseason is can Liz Lutz who is having ankle surgery this week, get back to playing at full strength. Because that, you know, we pretty much played this whole season without our two starting guards and Liz and Lexi and had to rely on some young kids to play in those positions. And it really, really affected the outcome of many games. Coach talked about who some players are that can step up and lead next year. And of course, one of his captains is going to be returning. Amory was a leader. She leads by example more so than vocally but she is I made her a captain right away last year she'll be a leader she gives us everything she got every single day so um, that that's not an issue there and Liz will be a great leader for us also I, I just hope she can get back to playing uh, at the potential that she can coach was asked about his incoming recruit class and he's got a really good group of freshmen coming in northern fans are going to be really happy with this recruiting class will we see any of them play major minutes as freshmen well, two of them are going to have to. <laughs> uh, I mean, we recruited, we had a good recruiting year. I mean, it all depends what happens in three or four years for them. I mean, we signed the number 20 player in the state of Wisconsin where the first 19 went Division One, 
and then and the four after her went Division One, uh, and she's six foot three, and she played the number one team in the state about two weeks ago, scored thirty on them. But she's also a freshman, and as Matt just said, it takes a little longer for inside people to develop uh, at this level. Um, you've got to get a lot of strength, and and uh, but she's going to be a really good basketball player here someday. Um, we signed a number twenty-seven player in the state. After all the Division One kids went through, we got the next. She's a six foot two. Kind of a forward wing, kind of like Aaron. Plays really hard, but again, you know, she's hasn't stepped on the court in college, and she has no idea right now. She's actually going to be playing in the semifinals down in the state of Wisconsin this upcoming week. And so, you know, we, we kind of address that issue, but the issue is we're losing seniors and we're replacing them with freshmen. And the big thing is how do our young kids that we have as freshmen and sophomores right now develop? McKaylee Kuhn, I think she's got a chance to be a great player here. I mean, she's thrown up double digits almost every game she plays, scored 19 against Parkside as a freshman. Uh, Elena Likes showed a lot this year, I thought, um, going to be a junior. Emily Miller's got to have a big off season, and I think Sam Potter has to have really big off seasons, and potentially Andrea Perez, too. Uh, people that didn't see quite as many minutes, but they got to make a step in their game, and hopefully we can work on that here before they go home. That's Troy Matson, head women's basketball coach at Northern Michigan. His team season came to an end last week. That should do it for the Sports Pen. Once again, glad to have you along. Always, Zim. We had a great show today. We had a packed show today. A lot of guests and a lot of audio that we were able to bring over to you. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. So much so that we didn't even touch on the fact that NBC declined ESPN's trade offer for Al Michaels. We'll get to that more in depth tomorrow. Plus, we'll talk a little baseball because we're just over two weeks from opening day. All that more coming up tomorrow here in the Sports Pen. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN UPWZ. I'm Ishbeming Marquette.